Hey there, this is Tam. This special bonus episode features Joseph Dole and addresses the urgent matter of Illinois legislation seeking parole for anyone who has served at least 20 years in the Illinois Department of Corrections. Joe is currently also serving a life without parole sentence in Stateville and is the co-founder of Parole Illinois. His message outlines the issue in a cohesive way and also offers ways to help. These urgent bills before the Illinois House, HB 2399 and Senate SB 2333, if passed, could qualify Jamie and Joe for parole almost immediately. So please, we are asking you to take a few minutes and listen to Joe's message. At the end, he outlines ways to get involved. You can also visit ParoleIllinois.org to engage and volunteer. On the website, you can learn more about the press conference and rally that will be held Wednesday, October 20th in Springfield at the Capitol. We really appreciate your taking the time to listen. Please also share this important message. Thanks, guys. Hello, my name is Joseph Dole. I am one of the co-founders and policy director of Parole Illinois. Welcome to the first episode of a podcast focused on issues affecting people in prison and their families, government accountability, and grassroots organizations fighting for social justice. Today's episode will focus on the fact that Illinois lacks a true parole system and Parole Illinois' earned re-entry bill, which if passed, would help rectify this for anyone sentenced to serve more than 20 years in prison. For those who don't already know, Parole Illinois is a nonprofit organization composed of a coalition of people inside and outside of prison who are working toward a more just and humane legal system. We are a truly grassroots organization dependent on donations and volunteers. We were founded by a handful of men incarcerated at seasonal prisons and our supporters on the outside. We are probably the only organization in Illinois with the majority of its board of directors currently in prison. We started Parole Illinois because we were tired of the established criminal justice reform organizations taking a minimalist approach to decarceration and refusing to promote bills that would help people who were currently in prison. So we started our own organization and chose to focus solely on the larger goals that would significantly assist people in prison today people who are currently victims of yesterday's overly punitive laws. Based on the success of the State Bill Debate Team bringing awareness to the fact that Illinois does not have a universal parole system, Parole Illinois chose reinstating some type of parole as its first goal. The reforms of the past decade have allowed Illinois to reduce its prison population from an all-time high of nearly 50,000 people to less than 28,000 people today. While we can celebrate that accomplishment, we should do so with the understanding that we still have a long way to go, and that our current prison population is still about four times what it was in the 1960s. More disturbing than that, however, is the fact that the majority of the people still in prison in Illinois are serving unnecessarily long sentences, and many of them are much safer to release than the quote-unquote non-violent offenders who have been released already or have been diverted from going to prison in the first place over the past several years. 
Right now, there are about 1,600 people serving life without parole sentences, meaning they must die in prison. Another 2,500 or so must serve 40 to 2,500 years, meaning almost all of them will assuredly die in prison. An additional 5,000 or so must spend 20 to 40 years behind bars, meaning there's a good chance that they too will die in prison. Even if they survive their sentences, they will have spent what should have been their most productive years there. Such successive sentences are an historical anomaly, and the laws that mandated them were passed based on the fallacy that if you increase punishment, it will deter people from committing crimes in the first place. Advocates of abolishing parole, likewise, use this false claim to support their agenda. Nearly every reputable study shows that this type of punitive deterrence is largely a myth. Even Craig Finley, the chairman of the Illinois Prisoner Review Board, noted that after interviewing over 25,000 incarcerated men and women, he has learned that long sentences are not a deterrent to crime. For punitive deterrence to have any chance to work, the person must A, know the consequence for committing the crime, B, believe they will actually get caught, and C, have the time and mental capacity to rationally weigh the costs and benefits of committing the crime compared to not committing it. Punitive deterrence doesn't work, however, because A, no one knows what the punishment for a crime carries, let alone what sentence may end up receiving at sentencing, especially considering that our sentencing laws are so convoluted that trained lawyers and judges have difficulty figuring them out. B, people who commit crimes never believe they will be caught. They always think they will get away with it. That's why they commit the crime in the first place. Or C, they are not rational actors and fail to even attempt to consider both the likelihood of getting caught and the consequences because they are either inebriated, are mentally ill, or are simply too young and their prefrontal lobes have yet to mature sufficiently to make a fully rational determination. What is also never mentioned when arguing for more severe sentences to deter crime is the inhumanity of the practice itself. It literally inflicts more punishment than is penologically justifiable in the false hope that it will be so terrible that it will scare others out of committing that crime. Therefore, each person who has their prison sentence increased and their life as well as the lives of their family and friends increasingly destroyed to allegedly deter others is irrationally being held accountable for what others may or may not do in the future. Increasing the pain and suffering of one individual to try to coerce the behavior of another is morally repugnant. In Illinois, there is a lot of confusion around the issues of parole and mandatory supervisors release also known as MSR. The majority of citizens and many legislators mistakenly believe that Illinois still has a parole system that covers everyone in prison. In reality, Illinois abolished parole in 1978 and then continuously increased both sentencing ranges and the percentage of the prison term one must serve prior to release. In addition, the state further required that anyone leaving prison must also serve up to three years on mandatory supervised release, or MSR. The confusion comes in large part from the fact that people who are released on MSR continue to incorrectly use the common vernacular of being on parole. As noted, however, 
MSR is not parole. Parole is a merit-based early release mechanism, meaning people can go before a board, present their case, and possibly be awarded early release from prison. MSR, on the other hand, is not a mechanism for early release. Instead, it is simply an additional punishment similar to probation, which everyone leaving prison is forced to serve on top of their prison sentence. While everyone getting out of prison today will serve a term of mandatory supervised release, almost none of them will actually be on parole. That's because out of the 28,000 people currently in prison in Illinois, only about 60 of them still go before the Prisoner Review Board for parole hearings. They are known as the C numbers because their DOC identification numbers start with the letter C, indicating the crimes they are convicted of occurred before the state abolished parole in 1978. The state did recently pass a youthful offender parole bill for a very limited number of juveniles and young adults who are sentenced after July of 2019, but none of them will be eligible for parole until 2029 at the earliest. It's also worth noting that when Illinois abolished parole, it also enacted life without parole sentences, in part because the United States Supreme Court ruled the death penalty unconstitutional in 1976. Therefore, the state thought it needed a replacement that could permanently incapacitate people. Ironically, the Supreme Court would reverse its decision and Illinois would both reinstate the death penalty and keep life without parole sentences as well. Prior to the abolishment of parole and at the height of the death penalty, Illinois only sentenced about a dozen people per year to death. Everyone else, no matter what their crime of conviction, was considered redeemable and received parole hearings at some point. For people convicted of murder, it was after 20 years. But with good time credit, their initial parole hearing usually occurred after 11 years and 3 months of incarceration. So prior to 1978, everyone being sent to prison who wasn't sentenced to be executed had an opportunity for release, and very few people were ever considered irredeemable. Today, however, after parole was abolished, life without parole sentences were enacted, sentencing ranges were extended, treatment sentencing was implemented, and the country's strictest gun add-ons were created, Illinois now has thousands of people in prison who are falsely labeled as irredeemable and who are required to die there due to the combination of over-incarceration and the absence of a parole system. Luckily, it is finally being acknowledged that we cannot end mass incarceration without addressing over-sentencing for serious and violent crimes. Parole Illinois is currently pushing our earned reentry bill, which would essentially provide people who were given unnecessarily long prison sentences a parole hearing. The earned reentry bill, which is Illinois House Bill number 2399 and Illinois Senate Bill number 2333, if passed, would give people with long-term prison sentences the opportunity for regular review by the Illinois Prisoner Review Board and continue to shift the focus of the Illinois Department of Corrections from warehousing people to preparing them to return to society as productive citizens. It gives everyone the opportunity to be reviewed for earned reentry after serving 20 or more years in prison and offers a structured, merit-based way to reduce the prison population. While it doesn't automatically let everyone out, 
it does give everyone a chance to prove they can become productive members of society. It thus gives people serving long sentences hope for early release and an incentive to use their time in prison constructively. Why 20 years? Because the risk of someone getting out and committing another crime after 20 years of imprisonment is incredibly low. Therefore, 20 years is sufficient to satisfy the need for incapacitation, where most people age out of crime. It is also a significant portion of someone's life to spend in prison, thus satisfying the societal goal of retribution. While some people may balk at giving quote-unquote violent offenders a second chance, the irony is that nearly every study done shows that people who have served significant time in prison for violent crimes are actually the safest people to let out. That is partly why several national organizations, such as the Sentencing Project and the Prison Policy Initiative, recommend capping all sentences at 20 years, like some European countries do, or having universal parole eligibility after 15 years. Likewise, the American Law Institute recommends a second look at sentences after 15 years. While Parole Illinois would have liked to push a bill that offered reviews after 10 or 15 years, Illinois is far from being the progressive bastion it claims to be, meaning such a bill would have gained little momentum. With around 100 people dying in prison each year due to the combination of oversentencing, a lack of parole, and inadequate medical care, we felt we could not wait until such a bill becomes feasible. Despite what the naysayers proclaim, the earned re-entry bill, on the other hand, has a real chance of passing this year. Make no mistake, though, we are the underdogs. We were constantly told by people that we would never get our bill passed out of committee nor get half the legislators needed to vote yes on board, and that our bill is too ambitious. Those were also the reasons why the, let's say, professional or mainstream and moneyed criminal justice reformers would not provide resources to assist in passing our bill. Despite all of that, we got our bill out of committee in the House and nearly had enough representatives committed to voting yes to pass. We are currently pushing the earned reentry bill during the October veto session and have been building momentum for the last month. We now have nearly 30 registered co-sponsors. I think 12 senators and like 16 representatives. We are also close to having secured the 30 votes necessary to pass in the Senate and 60 votes needed to pass in the House. Moreover, in a recent public opinion poll conducted by the Capitol Facts, about two-thirds of respondents answered yes when asked whether Illinois should reinstate parole. Our earned reentry bill has been endorsed by nearly 15,000 people and dozens of grassroots organizations. This bill has a real chance of passing in October, thereby giving thousands of people who were inhumanely oversentenced to death by incarceration an opportunity to have a hearing to determine whether they deserve a second chance. I would also like to address the issue of carve-outs and argue against them. By carve-outs, I mean categorical exclusions based on crime categories or date of crime written into ameliorative or corrective legislation. It is no secret that due to corrupt police and prosecutors, there are a great number of innocent people in prison. Carve-outs are usually aimed at the exact same crime category, murders and sex offenses, that we've seen hell-packing up innocent people for. 
in Illinois, we often call these heater cases, where there is immense pressure on police and prosecutors to arrest and convict somebody, anybody. Carve-outs also fail to account for degrees of culpability. They neglect the fact that hundreds, if not thousands of people who never committed a rape or murder are nonetheless convicted of such under the felony murder rule or theory of accountability. People who argue for carve-outs more often than not use dehumanizing language or even racist soundbites. Almost all of them demonstrate their ignorance of Illinois sentencing laws. People who understand the intricacies involved, however, know that carve-outs can only be applied unjustly. Moreover, carve-outs fail to take into account structural racism in our criminal legal system. Black people are more likely to be charged with more serious offenses than whites for the same act. They are less likely to have competent counsel capable of getting those charges reduced. They are less likely to get a reduced charge or plea offer. They are more likely to be convicted of a more serious offense. And they are three and a half times as likely to be wrongfully convicted of a sex offense. 68% of Illinoisans serving life without parole or de facto life sentences are black even though they only make up 14% of the state's population. Carve-outs are thus an extension of an already racist criminal legal system. Nevertheless, you always have people, surprisingly, even many legislators, saying we need to carve out any quote-unquote sex offenders and quote-unquote murderers. By doing so, those people, those legislators, are either knowingly or ignorantly helping to maintain an inherently racially biased legal system. Parole never had carve-outs in Illinois. That's what you have the Prisoner Review Board for. Fifteen professionals who can make individual assessments and make sure people who remain a danger to society aren't released, but who can also ensure that those who can be safely released aren't unnecessarily kept in prison at taxpayer expense and to the detriment of that person and their family. Another extremely unjust carve-out in corrective legislation is the practice of writing it so that it is not applied retroactively. There is no one more deserving of the benefits of corrective legislation than those who are currently victims of the overly punitive laws in need of correcting. Carve-outs also fail to account for the human potential for change. Contrary to political hyperbole, people are not born evil if they commit certain crimes, nor are they permanently evil. In fact, those convicted of murders and sex offenses are often the safest people to release because the risk that they will reoffend is lower than for people serving time for less serious crimes. Studies unanimously show that lifers who obtain release from prison have near zero reoffense rates. In some, carve-outs are illogical, are largely political theater, and have real-world consequences, which we've increasingly seen with this pandemic can be deadly. SB 2333, HB 2399 should thus remain devoid of any carve-outs and be applied retroactively. We still need help in getting across the goal line, however. So if you believe in a more just and humane legal system, or have a loved one serving an excessive prison term and would like them to have a chance to come home early, we hope you will get involved. There are several ways to do so. First, Please go to Parole Illinois and click on Get Involved, where there are several ways you can help, like signing up to go to Springfield in October, or sending a letter to your district legislators, or volunteer or donate money. Second, 
contact will state legislators and ask them to prioritize passage of the Earned Reentry Bill, HB 2399, SB 2333, this veto session. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the Cook County State's Attorney's secretive inmate witness protection program living unit, known as the Key Witness Quarters, where incarcerated witnesses are provided undisclosed benefits, and several have admitted to lying causing at least eight men to spend decades behind bars for crimes they didn't commit. Again, we are asking you to please get involved, share this podcast, visit paroleillinois.org to get involved, and don't forget about the rally on Wednesday, October 20th in Springfield at the Capitol. We really appreciate your help. Thanks so much. Bye.